church. It's a joy and a privilege to be with each and every one of you again, to remember the Lord's sacrifice on the cross and also to, to speak from God's word. Uh, I hope that each and every one of us will be sitting with an eagerness to listen to God's word and what the spirit of the Lord will speak to us through his word. Uh, before I begin my message this morning, there's a, a small story that I would like to share to start off with. Uh, there was this story told about this church and this priest that was taking care of this church. Now, as the ritual of the church, all the believers would come together. The priest would lead them in worship. They would be singing of songs. And like in all the other churches where priests are there, they would also have this ritual of confession. A time of confession where the believers would wait in queue to meet with the priest, sit with him, and they would share with him about all the bad things that happened during the week. Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. And then, because of this ritual that was going on, a lot of people would come and share with the priest about what they had done during the week. It so happened that he noticed that majority of the people in the church, both men and women, would come and confess one particular sin. A lot of these believers would come and say, Father, forgive me, because last week I smoked, I had a drink, and I gambled. I smoked, I had a drink, and I gambled. And they would freely tell this to the priest about what they had done. Now the priest got very disturbed that most of the people in the church was talking about this particular sin that they were doing. So that following Sunday, after a couple of months, he got up in the congregation and during his message he said, there is something that I would allow, like to announce to the congregation. I have noticed that when all of you, men and women, when you come to me for confession, that you freely use this word, smoking, drinking and gambling. Forgive me because I have smoked, I have drank and I have gambled. And I am hurt that you are freely using this word. So from now on, we are going to make a code word. If you have involved in drinking or smoking or gambling, don't come and say it so openly to me. Just come and tell, Father forgive me for I have fallen. When you say the word fallen, I will understand, you will understand what it means and then we will go ahead with the confession. So everybody was happy with it. So after that, the people would come to the priest and they say, Father, forgive me, I fell last week. Father, forgive me, I fell last week. And everything was going on very fine. This priest, he became old, he died, and this new young priest comes to take care of the entire church. Now he has absolutely no idea about this arrangement that is there between this old priest and the believers. So one day as, as the thing got over, people come to him for confession. It goes on for a particular week. And this one fine day, this man comes up to the priest and he says, Priest, I need to talk to you about confession. And then they go outside the room and then they close the door. So this man says, Father, forgive me because I fell last week. And then this priest said, you know, I've been wanting to talk to you and the entire congregation about it because a lot of the believers have been coming and telling me, I've been falling, I fell, I fell last week. I'm very concerned about the payment that is outside the church because a lot of the people are seeming to be falling a lot of times. And this man who knew what this code was about and you knew the priest had no idea, he started to laugh. <laughs> And then this priest said, it is no laughing matter. Last week your wife came and said she fell three times. <laughs> Last week your wife came and told me she fell three times. You know, uh, when we think about our Christian life, we will all come into that agreement that it is full of ups and downs. Yes? When you talk about our church life, 
just like these believers of this particular church there are so many things that you and i could pinpoint and say yes indeed there are so many things i've done last week because of which i would not feel worthy enough to come into god's presence there are a lot of problems that you and i go through in our christian life a lot of struggles that you and i as christian face on the face of this world and this morning the topic that i want to share with all of you is entitled the blessedness of coming together the blessedness of coming together you know it is indeed true that all of us go through a lot of ups and downs it is indeed true that your week and my week would have been really bad it's indeed true that you would have done a lot of things that was bad i would have done a lot of things that was horrible but in spite of all of this the scripture talks to us about the blessedness that is there when born again believers come together in a congregation like this and that is the topic that i want to talk about this morning the blessedness of coming together and i'm going to read a well known passage that we all know that we've often read so turn with me to the book of psalm uh, and chapter 133 we all know this psalm very well and it is my desire that i will try to throw a different kind of light to it psalm 133 and i'm going to request each of us together we will read these three verses as loud as we can from the bottom of our heart so that let's mean these words and ask the lord to speak to our hearts psalm 133 let's all read these verses together how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity it is like precious oil poured on the head running down on the beard running down on aaron's beard down upon the collar of his robes it is as if the dew of hermon were falling on mount zion for there the lord bestows his blessing even life forevermore may the good lord add his blessings on this scripture you know when you look at the title of the psalm it says it is a song of ascents and it is a song that was written by the great king david now a few psalms earlier from psalm 124 onwards you see all the psalms are titled the same way the song of ascents you know when the people of israel would come together and they would ascend on that mountain they would sing these songs reflecting on the goodness of god and enjoying the promises that god has blessed for the people of israel now let me try to picture the background so that each of us would be on the same page before we come to this psalm let me try to explain what led david to write this psalm you know when you go to the book of genesis when the people of israel came to the land of egypt to meet with joseph and when joseph got down from his chariot hugged his father and all the people of israel came to live in egypt the bible clearly states that there was total 70 in all 70 people had lived in the land of egypt Then you fast forward to the book of Exodus and when God through Moses led the people out of the land of Egypt there was not 70 there was not one like there were 6 lakh people that came out of the land of Egypt the Israelites 6 lakh people God had blessed one man Jacob with 12 sons and those 12 sons became the 12 future tribes of the land of Israel 6 lakh people Then you go to the book of Joshua all these people entered the promised land and each tribe got an allotted place 
and each tribe settled in that place. Within the tribe, each clan settled in that place. Within each clan, each family settled in that place. So 70, pe 70 people into 6 lakh people into 12 tribes, their own tribes, their own clans, their own family. Everybody had their own property, their own land, and all these people began to live as an entire nation, a huge nation. Now it's difficult, you and I know, for all these people to come together. It is difficult for everybody to maintain contact with each other. At that time, there was no WhatsApp. There was no Facebook. There was nobody to like you on your wall. So they did not have much contact with each other. But once a year, all the people of Israel would come together. You know why? For the religious festivals. All the people from different tribes from these different clans, from these different families, they would all come together and they would go to Jerusalem for that religious festival. And when all these people come from different tribes, there is the coming together of these different people. There is the blessedness when all these people come together. And when they meet each other, the guy who's from the tribe of Judah meets the guy who's from the tribe of Benjamin. And he says, long time no see, my brother. How are you doing? Did you know now there's a 50% off on that sheep shop there near my house? Why didn't you take some time? Come over. And there were all these talks that were gone. A lot of hugs. A lot of love that was being shared. Tribes that were so different, staying elsewhere, would come together as one family to worship the great Yahweh. And it was during such a gathering of all these people, I'm sure, that King David, he was sitting and he was observing all this. And he was saying, wow, how beautiful this is. This is so amazing to see people from different tribes coming together, acting as one. People who talk different languages, that's okay. They come together, they share. And then he said, quickly, somebody, pass me a pen, pass me a paper. And then he wrote the poem that we just read right now. He looked at all of these people coming together and he said how good and how pleasant it is when brothers are living together in unity. And that's how this psalm was written. You understand what I'm saying? But you know brothers and sisters, I want to take this one step further. Just like how the people of Israel came together, I look at the church today and I tell that we gather together again for the same very reason. We are also people of different languages. You look around. We are people from different states. We speak different things. Each of us have different abilities. But on Sunday morning, no matter where we are, whether you stay in Lingrajpuram, you're at Henurkas, you're at Kayapuram, we come together as a family. We come together. We shake one another's hand. We enjoy being in fellowship with one another and I believe the spirit allows me to say how good and how blessed it is when brothers come together in unity you know the people of Israel in the Old Testament came together for the religious festivals for two important things first of all to worship Yahweh second of all for, for the fellowship of the saints to come together to worship Yahweh. To remember what Yahweh has done for us. They would come with sacrifices. They would come to offer these sacrifices to Yahweh. But not only for that, but also for fellowship. To talk, to get to know each other. To ask, how are you doing? And brothers and sisters, can I ask all of us one question? Do we do these two things in our Christian life? Yes or no? When we come on Sunday, yes or no? We also come together to worship God. To remember his sacrifice for us. But as soon as our worship is over, we all don't go away. We all stay back. Why? 
for fellowship. We talk. How are you doing? Last week I heard that you had some problem. How is it? How are you right now? Is there anything that I can pray pray with you for? Brother, are you free this week? I would like to meet with you. Fellowship and worship. So even though this was written for the people of Israel, it is applicable to us as born again Christians as well. How amazing! How good and how pleasant when brothers come together in unity. Now the line that where it says when brothers live together in unity, in other words, it means when brothers come together. That is what the phrase means. How good and how blessed it is when brothers come together. That's why I've entitled my sermon "The Blessedness of Coming Together." How beautiful when people come together. Why do we all come together? It is for the solemn, solemn uh, uh, purpose of worshiping God and for fellowship. And it is indeed. beautiful you know why because one day as we always say every sunday this table will be removed and we will continue to worship in the presence of god if you are my friend in this church in this assembly today you and i will still be friends in eternity and that is the blessedness of all of us coming together can we read verse 1 again psalm 133 verse 1 it says how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity when the brothers come together for one common purpose to worship god and to have fellowship but when we come on sundays i would like to remind ourselves again never to forget where we were once and where we are today Let us look back into the past and remember how we've come into God's presence today. If you notice the songs we sang this morning, if you notice the exhortation that the brothers shared today, all was talking about who we once were and who we are today and what we enjoy the presence of God. Only by grace can we enter that's the only way you and i can come into god's presence it is only by the blood of jesus christ on the cross it is without that nobody sitting here you and i could never ever enter into the presence of god you look at the old testament there was a curtain there was a curtain that divided the most holy and the outside place all the people only had the privilege to come to that curtain but today is there a curtain it has been removed removed and we are as close to the holies of holies that you and i could ever be not only by the blood not only the curtain has been removed but who is the one through whom we worship god the father it is christ jesus and that is who we worship you know i heard i remember i heard this person once sharing an exhortation and he was saying when we come into god's presence we don't have to remember the cross it is okay for us to forget the cross we only have to remember god the father he was saying there is no need for us to talk again and again about christ dying for us on the cross he's done it it's over there is no need for us to talk about it on sunday we should come only on a sunday and talk about god the father and i walked up to him and i said i disagree with you because if it was not for the work of christ on the cross how could you and i ever approach the throne of grace If you and I don't talk about the blood of Jesus Christ what else is there for us to talk about on a Sunday it is the cross it is his blood it is his redemptive price only because of which you and I can sit here if it is not for that the father would not be even be able to look at us but he looks at us through his son 
And that is why we are all seated. That is why it is blessedness when you and I come together in unity. For the worship of Yahweh and for the fellowship of the saints. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. The book of Hebrews chapter 10. And, up, and, and the writer here encourages us as born again believers what we need to do when it is when we talk about the coming together. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 and this verse will explain to us what we just mentioned right now. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. Therefore brothers since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by what? By the blood of Jesus. We spoke about that. Continuing. And since we have a great sorry by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body and since we have a great priest over the house of God we spoke about all this we are here to remember the blood of Christ we are here to remember that curtain that was removed and we are here to remember the great high priest but because of all these things what are the, what is it that you and I need to do the writer talks about five things that you and I need to do when we come together what are the five things verse 22 first thing let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The first thing that we need to do is to draw close to God. When we come together, we come on a Sunday to draw close to God. Why? Because our heart has been cleansed. There is no guilt for us anymore. We come, to, we come on a Sunday to draw ever more closer to God. To continue our walk with God. Why? Because there is nothing that would hinder me from reaching His holy presence. Secondly, it continues on to say it in verse 23. Let us hold on unswervingly to the hope we profess for He who promised is faithful. Let us hold on to the hope is the second thing that the writer tells us. Hold on to what? Hold on to the promises that God has given to us. Why hold on to the promises? Because he who has promised us is always. He's faithful. And that is why we need to hold on to it. That is why we can hold on to it. Because the one we hold on to. Is forever faithful. So hold on to the promises brothers and sisters. It does not matter if you are going through a rough patch right now. Hold on to all the promises the scriptures has given you. Because he who has promised us. Is forever faithful. The third thing that we are supposed to do. Verse 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. You look at that. So the blessedness of coming together is that I will spur you. You will spur me into doing what? Into love and to doing good deeds. Into love and doing good deeds. Wow. So I'm here on a Sunday so that I will teach you to love and I will teach you to do good deeds. You are here on a Sunday so that you will teach me to love God, to love you and also to do the good works. Turn with me in relation to this to Gospel of Matthew chapter 5 and we all know that verse very well. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. We all know that verse. Matthew 5 verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your Louder. They may see your... And when they see your good works, whom will they praise? Will they praise you? They will praise your... Father who is in heaven. So look at that. 
I come here to spur you to love. You come here to allow me to do good works. And when the people of this world see our good works, they will praise not us. They will praise our Father who is in heaven. And that's the third thing that you and I are supposed to do. And coming back, verse 24 we just read. Verse 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. This is the fourth thing that the writer here is encouraging us. Let us not stop the meeting together. As often as we can, brothers and sisters, it is important for you and me to come to church. Why? Because fellowship is very important. It is important for you and I to meet. No matter how difficult our week may be, no matter if we have a lot of struggles, we have a lot of other commitments, I think it is important for us as believers to take that extra effort to be here in church to meet one another. Every Sunday, the person who stands here making the announcement says, we have a lot of cell groups. Please make sure that you are connected to a cell group. And it is important, brothers and sisters. I'm not saying it. The word of God says it. Let us not stop meeting together as some have gotten into the habit of doing. Some people think that Sundays is the only day. I just come on a Sunday, I greet, I meet and that's enough. No. As often as you can, let us not stop meeting one another. The scripture encourages us. And last but not least, it says, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Encourage one another in whatever way it may be. Maybe I'm not walking right this week and I need your help to walk a little better. Maybe you are struggling this week. Why don't you ask me for encouragement? Why don't you come and tell me that you need help? Why don't you ask a sister that you need help? Why don't you tell somebody in the church today that you need prayer, that you need visiting, that you need us to meet with you, to spend time with you, so that together as a family of God, we can prepare ourselves. Why? Because the day is approaching. The day is at hand. The coming of the Lord is soon. And when He comes together, we will be with Him in His presence. And until that day comes... The scripture says that we should be doing all of these things. How good and how blessed it is when the believers come together. When the believers come together. And that is what David says in the first verse. Shall we all turn to the second verse? Can somebody read Psalm 133 and verse 2? Psalm 133 and verse 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, you know, this, I mean, for us, when we read this passage, maybe we might not understand. You know, if an Israelite was sitting here right now, if a Jew, he would be like, wow, what, what, what poetry. It is like the oil that is running down. It goes down to the beard of Aaron. It goes down to the collar of his shirt. And those of you and me who have OCD, we'll stop at this verse. Look at the oil that's running down his collar. But no, what's the significance of this verse? You know, when you pour down the oil on his head, and when it goes down his beard, and then it goes down to the collar of this high priest, it goes down to his breastplate. And on his breastplate, there is a small thing that he wears. And on the thing that he wears, there are these 12 precious stones. These 12 precious stones signifies the 12 tribes. And the oil that goes down on these 12 tribes talks of the unity that each of these tribes enjoy with one another. And you know what brings about this unity together? It is not the oil. It is the high priest. 
the high priest who brings about this unity together. So the oil that consecrates this high priest and this high priest brings about the unity in the whole land of Israel. You know, when the people, come, the people of Israel come together, they come together, like I mentioned, with the objective to worship Yahweh. Each of these tribes have sacrifices in their hand. But can these tribes go and offer the sacrifice? Yes or no? No. Who is the only person who is allowed to go inside? The high priest Aaron. And it is that oil that signifies the unity in those tribes. When all the people come together, the high priest on behalf of the people takes the sacrifice. He goes inside. He puts the sacrifice on the altar, slaughters it. And on behalf of the whole nation, he does so. The entire nation is standing outside. They are waiting for the high priest to come. And after the sacrifice is over, he comes out and they eagerly anticipate. For what? The lifting of the hands of the high priest. And when the high priest lifts his hand, the people of Israel shout with joy. Because the lifting of the hand signifies that God Yahweh has received that sacrifice. And that is what it means when it says, Oh, it's like that oil that goes down his beard. It goes down his collarbone. It goes down those precious stones. Why? Because it's Aaron the high priest. He's the guy who brings us together. He's the guy who goes instead of us in the presence of God. He's the guy who brings the unity to the whole land of Israel. And when I think of this and when I talk about us as the church, who is our high priest? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It is He through whom our worship goes to the Father. Every Sunday we worship God the Father through the Son by the help of the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit of God. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who stands in the presence of God. And He says, forgive my child and receive His praise. Forgive my daughter, receive her worship. And it is through our High Priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, that you and I have this privilege of worshipping this awesome and mighty God. But when I read this verse, brothers and sisters, like how Titus Chan reminded us this morning, and like our brothers reminded us, let us think about our worship when we come into God's presence as well. Let us think, yes, indeed, it is true that Christ is our high priest. It is true that we worship God only through Him. But at the same time, how you and I worship God is also very important. Let us not come into God's presence with a casual mind, with a casual attitude, with a casual appearance, with, with a casual preparation. No. Every Sunday we pray. And I like it when, when any brother reads from that thing. He says, those, only those who have a relationship with God the Father can participate. Those of you who don't, don't do that, please don't do that. And then the last line it says, those of you who are believers must examine Examine every time you come into God's presence. But not every time you come into God's presence, every single moment of your life. We need to examine and ask ourselves, how is my worship to God? You remember uh, Jesus Christ's conversation with the Samaritan woman in the Gospel of John chapter 4? John chapter 4 verse 24, he says, God is spirit and those who worship God must worship Him in spirit and in, in truth. God is a spirit and those who worship God must worship Him in spirit through the guidance of the spirit, through the newness in life that the spirit has given to us. That is what it means when it says to worship Him in spirit. To worship in the newness of life that you and I have gained as Christians. You remember the day you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ? On that day when the spirit was deposited, worship Him in that spirit. And then it says worship Him in truth. 
the truth of the word of God, the truth in Jesus as the high priest, in the truth that is taught in the scriptures. That means you and I can't come and sit as and however we want. You and I can't come and sit and worship God as and however we like. No. In the truth that Jesus Christ demonstrates to us. In the truth that the scriptures teach us. And because God is spirit, you and I need to worship God in spirit and in truth. Can we think about how we come in preparation to worship God? I would like to read a passage for you. Please turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11. Mark, chapter 11. Mark, chapter 11, and uh, verses 15. Can somebody read that? Mark, chapter 11, verse 15. Yeah, continue. You know, a couple of uh, months back in the Wednesday Koromangala group, we talked about this passage, and I hope you remember. So forgive me for saying this again, for the benefit of the church. You know, I've always wondered, why was Christ so angry? What really pissed him off? Why did he come into the temple and why did he get so angry when he saw the people selling? Why did he turn the table? You know, in another passage there it says he even beat the animals. What did the animals do? The animals did no mistake. But why is Jesus so angry here? You know what is the heartbeat of Christ here? You know, all the people of Israel were commanded as it was written in the Old Testament. When you come to sacrifice for your sins or for your family or for your nation... You are supposed to take a lamb, a small lamb that is barely a year old. Let the lamb stay with you and your family. Feed the lamb, take care of the lamb and love the lamb. And on the day that you are to offer your sacrifice, take the lamb, tie it, tie all your belongings, get your family together and start walking to Jerusalem. Take the lamb with you. Go walk to Jerusalem from wherever you are staying. It may take you a week It may take you a couple of days. It may take you a couple of hours. But it doesn't matter. You have 10 kids. It's okay. You have a lot of utensils. It's okay. Take all your stuff. All your children. And take your lamb. Go to that temple. And as they are walking. I'm sure all the kids. Will be tugging on their daddy's shirt. Daddy. Why are we going to Jerusalem? Don't tell me we are going there to offer this cute lamb. And then the daddy would just have to keep quiet. They would go to this temple. Dragging this lamb. And then they would give this lamb for the offering of sacrifice for their sins. Now, do you think it is easy to carry a lamp with you? I don't know how many of you have done that. But in our Bible college, we were asked to do that. And it's not very easy. That's why many a times, you, this usage of this lamb, we as sheep have gone. That's what lambs are known to do. The moment you open the door, none of them will go in the same direction. One will go this, one will go that. So imagine carrying a lamp with you. For one day, imagine keeping a lamb with you at home. It might stink. So all the people who came to the temple with this lamb would start to complain. Oh, it took me a day to reach this place to offer the sacrifice. Another guy, for you a day? It took me two days, man. And I have ten kids with one on the way and this lamb. It was so difficult for the people to carry all of these things with the lamb. So you know what? Probably there was a committee that happened there. And they said, you know what we will do? 
this is what we are going to do you travel from wherever you come come to the temple and we will have lambs ready here for you all you need to do is come to the counter take the lamb pay the money and go and sacrifice you know what they were trying to do they were trying to commercialize buy one lamb get two lambs free buy one lamb you get a pigeon free that was that was what they were doing but that is not what yahweh wanted yahweh wanted them to struggle they wanted he wanted them to have an attachment you will not have an attachment with a sheep that you go to the store and buy it that minute no but yahweh wanted them to keep that lamb with them live with that lamb feed that lamb grow in attachment to that lamb so that when you come when you offer that lamb you will feel the pinch in your heart you know why because yahweh felt the pinch when he offered his son on the cross and that is why jesus goes ballistic here this is why he looks for a cord he turns the tables aside he whips them he throws the animal and he says you know my house of god which is supposed to be a house of worship you've made it into a commercial street you've made it into a business you're coming here so that people who have no connection with god can for a brief moment for some sum of money can buy a lamp and think that they can offer something that god will be pleased with then brothers and sisters that's the same thing i want to ask all of us it is true that christ is our high priest it is true that we have the presence we have the privilege to come to god's presence but how do we come in preparation for this worship you know when the plague stopped in the old testament when david comes to the threshing floor and that guy says take whatever you all want lord take this land take that and sacrifice what did david say i will not offer anything that cost me nothing i will pay whatever it takes to come and worship god it is like the oil that goes down the beard of aaron and on the breastplate because he is the high priest that brings the whole sum together and it is christ who brings our worship together but what is our preparation during the week how is our preparation when we come into god's presence or do we come and sit at god's presence and do we switch off you know brothers and sisters can i be very honest and say it so lovingly it is so easy for us to come to church and point fingers at everything that happens and says because of this i'm not able to do that because of that i'm not able to do that it is so easy for you because i have done it it's so easy for us to come to god's presence and be easily turned off by something that might happen here and there but are we willing to make that sacrifice to come into god's presence to offer him a praise and that worship that is acceptable into god's how many of us during the week i do that every week i look forward to come to calvary just to meet with you and just to worship god because i love being with one another i have a lot of friends but this is who i consider the most on my list i love coming here and that's what god wants us to do he wants us to love being in god's family being together because it's blessed that's what david said that's what the spirit of god is reminding us it's so good when believers come together why because we sing songs of worship to whom to the one who gave all his best for people like you and people like me how much of preparation do you and i take when we come into god's presence and thirdly and lastly in psalm 133 verse 3 can somebody read psalm 133 verse 3 Psalm 133 verse 3 It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountain of Zion mm-hmm. 
It is like the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life, forevermore. There is absolutely no way as to how I know to explain this verse. Because like you, I have not experienced the dew of Hermon. I don't know what he's talking about right here. So, by your permission, if I were to rephrase this, not change, I would say, it is like the dew that you feel when you go... What is that mountain? Not Oti, what is that place near our... Ah, it is like the... Sorry sir, let me get into the mode. It is like the dew that you feel when you go to Nandi Hills. Actually, I've also not gone to Nandi Hills, but some of you have gone. That's what the writer here is basically saying. So apparently, in this Mount Hermon, there was thick and heavy dew. And when you go and stand there, and when this dew comes upon you, and when this dew goes because of the rising of, sin, of the sun, it's said that you feel very, very refreshed. You feel very, very good in your spirit. And you have this wow factor there. So probably like you and I going to Nandi Hills and this dew is there and the sun comes up and when the dew disappears, you and I are refreshed in our spirit. But brothers and sisters, it says here, it is like the dew of Hermon. Let me ask you, what is like the dew of Hermon? What is like the dew? The coming together of brothers and sisters. Wow. Is that so? Can we say the same thing? Us coming together, us meeting with one another, it's like the dew. That I feel so refreshed in my soul. I feel so refreshed in my body. That when I come to church, when I meet my brothers and my sisters, I feel so refreshed within. You know, somebody made a great statement like this, saying, living with the saints in heaven, oh, that is glory. Living with the saints in heaven is glory. Living with the same saints on the earth, oh, that's another story. (laughs) And that's actually very true. Probably that's why God has many mansions in his house. I don't know. But that's actually very true. It's difficult for us to actually say, I don't know about you, but I would admit it. Many times I don't feel refreshed. But that's what David says about the people of Israel. He says, oh, the blessedness of the coming together. When I see the people of different tribes coming together, it's refreshing me. It makes me so happy. It makes me joyous that I look forward to meeting with my brother and my sister next week. You know, uh, some of you might remember a couple of our friends who had come from the U.S. who were here with us. There was Jesus, there was Brian, and his, uh, those three girls who had come. You know, uh, on three occasions, I had spoken with Jesus and Brian, and I had asked them, how was your stay in India, and what did you like, and they shared. And in all, once I spoke to them personally, once I talk, uh, spoke with them with our group, and once we spoke to them when we met together for our cell group, And all the three times, whenever we asked them to share their experience in Bangalore, all of them, every time we asked them, they said, we enjoyed this, we enjoyed that, we enjoyed this, we enjoyed this. But you know what was the best part? And I'm not making it up. Liti knows, Ruby knows, and you can ask them if if this is what they said. And they said, you know what is the best part? The best part we enjoyed about our trip to Bangalore was coming to Calvary Bible Fellowship. Because you made us feel welcome. The best part about coming to church, the best part about coming to Bangalore was coming to church because all of you, and they said all, they said all made us feel welcome. You, you made us a part of the family. Some of you took us out. Some of you hang out, hung out with us. Some of you called us. Some of you came and visited us. And that was the best part about our trip. And I want to say this in encouragement to our church as Calvary Bible Fellowship. 
You know, one of the reasons why I decided this church was me and my wife felt the same way whenever we came to Calvary Bible Fellowship. Because we always felt refreshed when we came and met the believers here. We felt refreshed when I spoke to the brothers and sisters here. And that's what he's trying to say here. It is like that dew of hormone. When I come together, when we all come together, it refreshes my soul. It gives me that encouragement. It makes me so very happy that I am in the presence of God. We all know that story about that coal, right? You put coal together and you burn it and they all light. But if you were to take one coal and keep it aside, what happens to it? It slowly dies down. Can you have, can you have fellowship with God alone in your room? Yes, you can. But it is even more better when you have fellowship with God. When you come into the church and you sit with me. When we all come together. When we meet with one another in fellowship. Oh, the feeling is very different. When I can share my problems with you. When I know that I can talk to you and I know that you will hear. That you will understand. The feeling is very, very different. You know, Apostle Paul explains this beautifully. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And I'd like to read from verse 5. And look at what he says here in verse 5. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 5. For when we came into Macedonia. Now, for when we. He's talking about Paul. He's talking about the missionary journey that was going on. And all the people who were with him. When we came to Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest. But we were harassed at everything. At every turn. Conflicts on the outside. Fears within. Do you go through this sometimes? Do you have that problem? We have a lot of problems, a lot of downs, a lot of conflicts, conflicts from outside, conflicts from within, conflicts at work, conflicts at school, conflicts about my future, conflicts about my present, I'm having conflicts about what is in my past, I'm so worried, I'm so tensed. But then you look at what he goes on to say in verse 6, but God who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of, okay, by the coming of, little more louder, by the coming of, by the coming of one man. And then it goes on, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort. Who had given him? Who had given him? You had given him. So there was one man who brought comfort, and there was a group that was behind that man. And what did he do? He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your adrenaline concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. Did it say because of this my problems came to an end? No. Did it say because of this I never had any problem? No. But that brother in Christ, that group, the church that sent him, they were the ones who comforted his heart. They were the ones who comforted his heart. You know, uh, I remember this incident that happened in my life many years when I was going to the Northeast for one of my mission trips. And... uh, uh, the evangelist who was staying in one part of the northeast asked me to come to this place and the only information he gave me was the name of the place that's it he said somebody will pick you up from the airport so I landed at uh, this Isol airport I got out of the airport at 10 in the morning I don't know who's coming to pick me I don't know where I'm going and none of them know English so I come out of the airport the airport is the size of uh, this room you enter and you exit that's it no duty free no shop no bathroom absolutely nothing so I'm in a foreign country and I get out and I'm waiting from 10 in the morning. No, I don't know. I'm speaking English. There's nobody at the airport. At 2 o'clock, one guy comes with a piece of paper 
and he's looking to pick up the guy whose name he's written in the paper. And on the papers, he's written the name copy. <laughs> Apparently, somebody spoke to him on the phone, said, Job, and he understood his copy, whatever. So he comes up to me, he says, are you copy? And I'm like, no. <laughs> so he goes, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Where are you going? I'm supposed to pick up somebody. Oh, that's me. <laughs> I'm copy. Sit with him in the car. At two o'clock, we travel for an hour. We go to a believer's house. We get into this believer's house. He gives me lunch. I don't know who he is. He asks me to take a shower. It's three o'clock. Three o'clock, I'm done. And I've traveled and I'm tired. I'm broken. My back is gone. And then I'm about to rest. And he says, no, wait, wait. You need to get into a bus at five. And you need to travel the whole night and go to another place. That's where an evangelist is. So he takes me to this bus, buys me a ticket, and he goes off. And I burst out crying. I said, Lord, I can't take this. I don't know what to do. I have absolutely no friends here. I don't know whom to call. My brother calls me from Dubai and I'm, I'm sobbing and I'm crying. And he said, I want to go back. And he gives me these words of encouragement which I didn't understand. And then, he put, and then I get on the bus and I sit and there's all Northeast people in the bus and this bus journey starts. And we are going down this hilly place, this narrow road. Those of you from the Northeast know what I'm... And this road that, you know, at the edge of this cliff and we are going. And half, maybe half an hour, 45 minutes into the journey, this bus stops. And this guy who's in the bus suddenly gets out. He faces us and he starts speaking his native language. And he had his military dress on. And I got scared. And I honestly thought I was being kidnapped. Because that was what he was talking to us. And he was speaking very angrily. And I didn't know what was happening. And I got very scared. So I, I closed my eyes and he said, Lord, take my life. <laughs> no, honestly, I've lived you. I've served you. Thank you for all that you've allowed me to do. But it's time for me to come into your presence. And he's going on, taking, talking something. And the moment he stops talking, somebody from the back gets up and he prays. And everybody's bowing their head. And they're praying. And then another person gets up and he prays. And then a sister gets up and she prays. And then I understand. He was actually not threatening any of us. He was saying that our journey from now on is going to be very dangerous. We are going down a rocky path. We might slip. We might fall. We need God's strength to guide us. So before we take this journey, I would request some of you sitting here, stand up and let's pray for the journey. And the bus was full of believers. And I was like, wow. And I could say Amen even though I didn't understand a single word. But I felt good in the presence to be amongst the believers. We stopped and they came and spoke to me. And they said, come, let's eat. And I, I was so happy. My brother called and I was so joyous. You know, he said, I said, I don't, it doesn't matter where I'm going. You know why? Because I am with born again believers. Believers who stood and they prayed. And even though I didn't understand, I know they were asking for protection. Lord, give grace to the driver. Give us all the protection as we go down this path and let us reach that place safely. And how good and how blessed it was for me to be amongst believers at that point of time. So brothers and sisters, do we take the coming together of our brothers and sisters very lightly? Do we understand it in its fullest sense as to how God intended from this passage? Now that we've understood what these verses mean, can we all read this again together? With the newness of understanding that we all have. Psalm 133 and the first three verses. Let's read it a little more louder and mean it from our heart. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is precious. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. 
It is as if the dew of Hermon on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Shall we pray? Father Lord, thank you that I have friends here who are born again believers. Thank you that we all have each other because of your love for us on the cross. Thank you that each of us, even when we end our life on this earth, will begin our life in your presence, forever with you. Father, we thank you for the portion that we read and for speaking to our hearts, and we pray that on the basis of what we heard, we will practice this in our Christian life. Father, enable us never to take advantage of one another. Enable us to never take advantage of coming together. Enable us to understand the blessedness that we feel when we come together to worship you, to enjoy the fellowship with one another. Father, enable us to grow in love with one another. Enable us to grow in fellowship with one another. Enable us to get to know a little bit more about each other. So that, Lord, as a family of God, we would grow through our hardships, through our ups and downs, through our weaknesses, Lord. Hold us high. That as a family, we would seek to give you the glory and the honor. How blessed it is indeed when brothers live together, when the brothers come together. How blessed when we come in oneness to worship and to have fellowship. Bless us, bless the weak, so that through our lives, we will make, we would glorify your name. Thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus Christ's most holy, precious name, we ask and we pray.